0: Welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Last week marked the first anniversary of the pandemic. It is only one week later and the province is bracing for its third wave. The cases involving variants of the original virus are quickly spreading across Northumberland and around the province. Mass vaccinations began earlier this week in Coburg for those over 80 years old. We are in the yellow category as more businesses are open. It means we can gather in larger numbers and restrictions are relaxed. Yet health officials and others are quick to point out this is not over. We stand on the brink. While there's lots of good news about people getting inoculated, it can all go sideways in an instant. It is easy to follow the stats. It is like the stock market. Numbers are up, numbers are down. It can mean very little. We forget that those numbers represent people. They are human beings. They have families, husbands, wives, children, and friends. They are our neighbors, coaches, volunteers, the people we pass in the street. They are us. Today's show is a stark reminder. The first segment is an interview with someone who is currently fighting COVID-19 who lives in Northumberland. You will hear how the virus altered their life, their family, and more. Their voice will be altered because the person only agreed to do the interview if their identity was protected. You will hear how getting COVID-19 creates a stigma around those who become ill. Here is my interview with a COVID-19 patient living in Northumberland. Before the pandemic, you were healthy, normal person. Did you have anything wrong with you that made you more vulnerable to the virus?
1: Um, I have uh, Crohn's disease, but it's mild and it's in remission, so no. No, I, I was healthy and active.
0: Uh, so starting from the beginning then, when did you begin to feel sick? What did you experience?
1: Um... On November 17th, 2020, I uh, in the morning started to feel a little bit nauseous off and on. I felt like I didn't sleep well the night before, so I brushed it off as uh, just being overtired. And uh, uh, By afternoon, I had body aches pretty bad, so I went to lay down, uh, got a headache, and by that evening, uh, the headache turned to migraine, I had a fever, and chills. So it was a lot like the flu, I felt, I, I was convinced that I was coming down with the flu.
0: And did it occur to you that it might not just be the flu, but something more serious? Well, the
1: other thing with me is I don't really get sick and I can count on one hand the number of times I've had a fever in my entire life and I'm 50 years old. So I, by day three I started to feel like maybe I should go get tested although I was still thinking it was the flu. I had a doctor's appointment over the phone that day and my doctor convinced me to go get a test and I knew that was the right thing to do just to rule it out. So I went and got tested on the Friday that was the 20th on Saturday I was waiting for the results Um, I hadn't really been out of bed for for all four days and I thought I've got to try to get myself into the shower so (laughs) I was having a shower and uh, when I kind of leaned back to rinse the shampoo out of my hair suddenly I was gasping for breath I didn't really know what happened. I didn't feel anything coming on, but I felt like I might pass out, and I was completely out of breath. I felt like I couldn't catch my breath. So that was odd, but I still felt like it could be from the flu. After that, I, I tried to eat because, again, I had not eaten much in the four days. So I, I got a piece of toast, and I put some peanut butter on it, how a bite, I couldn't taste the peanut butter, I, I went to the jar to try to smell it, check the date, <laughs> and that's when I realized I probably have COVID-19. I went straight to my phone, I checked for my results, and they were there, and I was in complete shock. I saw a red positive with exclamation marks all over the place, and uh, and that's when the panic set in.
0: What did you do next then?
1: Uh, well, I didn't really have time to think about what to do next. I was uh, trying to think of where i had been, who i had been around, who might need to know about this. Uh, I live with my husband and my daughter. They were, they were out, so I needed to get in touch with them and get them home. So I went to get uh, my phone, and it started to ring, and it was the, um, it was the HKPR Health Unit on the line um, telling me about my results.
0: So what did they advise you to do at that point?
1: Um, they they uh, told me to try to remain calm, <laughs> uh, first and foremost. They were really great, actually. Um, but it was a long time. So I spent a long time on the phone with, um, with the first person that called, and then they had a second person call. Uh, to see if I had any questions and then uh, another person actually called to start to get to work on the contact tracing.
0: For people who don't uh, understand what uh, contact tracing is, can you explain what they they asked you and what the process was? Sure. Um, So, so for the contact
1: tracing, they wanted to go back from. But luckily for me, I did. I had symptoms, so I could pinpoint kind of the timing. They wanted to know who I had con- had contact with from that Sunday till the Tuesday, because luckily, uh, because I was sick from the Tuesday and I was really sick, I hadn't left my bed or hadn't left my house so i hadn't seen anyone from the time i had symptoms so we only had to go back for the three days but even Honestly, they gave me an hour to really think about where I'd been for that three days and it was really, it was really tough to think about, you know, Saturday and Sunday and, uh, you know, with, uh, I cooked to dinner I had to go to a grocery store then I realized they didn't have something at one grocery store, so I had to go to another grocery store. It, it took some time and, and a couple of places I'd been popped into my mind kind of later on, so it was a bit of a process. Um, and then after that then they, somebody else called the next day and they took me through the 14 days prior now that was that, the contact tracing in the 3 days was to try to figure out who I had been around and therefore who might be infected as a result of being around me um, the 14 days passed because I I didn't know of anyone I had been around who had been positive or even had symptoms. Uh, The 14 days was to try to figure out where I may have been um, to 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 get infected in the first place. So I believe at the time there was quite a few close contacts in Northumberland County. So I think
0: they would document everywhere I'd been, and then if other people had
1: been to the same place within the same time frame, they could try to pinpoint where we might have picked it up.
0: Emotionally, where were you as you were going through this process and realizing that you, you had the virus? Well,
1: I'll tell you, it was the scariest thing I've ever experienced in my life. It was just like the flu, and that it was nothing at all like the flu. So I think it was over the next few days when it started to, the COVID started to settle into my lungs. And I think that's that's when I started to get scared for myself. I've, I've never had a serious illness. Um, the health unit, these care health unit nurses were amazing. I got calls every day. My doctor, Dr. Kwok, was amazing. He was calling on a regular basis. And, um, they would take me through a series of questions each day, but they would say things like, if it gets worse, go to the hospital. You know, have you considered going to the hospital to get assessed? But when you're in that position and you've never been sick, you don't really know where that threshold is, right? Mm-hmm. So some nights I'm, I'm about to go to sleep and my, my I felt this, this great heaviness in my chest, but it was unlike any other bronchitis or anything, any other chest infection I've had. It didn't gradually build. It was just all of a sudden I would be sitting still and all of a sudden I couldn't catch my breath. Um, so that was the scariest part. I think lying down every night to close my eyes, wondering, you know, if I get to the point where this is dangerous, am I going to wake up first? How will I know? Um, that coupled with the, the panic that was really around me. Um, it's, first of all, there's a bit of a stigma, I think. Um, people are scared, and I totally understand that but when people found out that I was positive, it was um, because people were maybe uneducated or didn't know what the rules were around isolation or close contact. um, You know, a lot of people were quite concerned for themselves and, and, and their families, and I understand that, but it resulted in a lot of people calling calling with a lot of questions and people really expecting to know personal health information that they don't really have the right to know and again i understand why that is but the public public health does a great job at um at, at uh, notifying people when there is a risk to public safety or when there is a risk to public health um I chose to call the people that I had had contact with between Sunday and Tuesday because I felt like that was the right thing to do. Uh, The the Health Unit contacted them and didn't use any identifying information. But um, between that, um, worrying about what people were saying (laughs) and um, fielding all the calls, And then worrying about my family, because my husband had to be tested, and he has significant health issues, so he's immunocompromised. And my daughter had to be tested, and their results took quite a few days to come in. So it was very, very stressful. It was very hard, both physically and emotionally, for lots of different reasons.
0: How did you work it out, the logistics of, of looking after you at the same time as living in the same household?
1: Well, that that was the other really tough part, and it's the other really tough part of COVID. And until you have other results in it, until you know who may be infected and who may not, you're isolated from everybody. So although there was risk to both my husband and my daughter, uh, they were advising me to stay away from them. There was a chance that they weren't infected, right? So I was isolated to a to a separate room. So not only was I afraid for myself and my health and worried about them, you're kind of on your own. It's very lonely. And, it, and when you're that sick, uh, it's very scary.
0: Did it ever reach a point that you had to go to the hospital? I was never admitted to the hospital, but again, I was in touch
1: with nurses daily, sometimes twice a day as well as my doctor and um, at one point um, I did go to the hospital I was talking to a nurse at HKPR and when she heard my breathing she suggested I go to the hospital to be assessed so there was one point I went to the hospital I was quite dehydrated by then I hadn't eaten really in a couple of weeks I couldn't eat at all I was trying my best to to um, to drink when I could but I was still quite dehydrated, so I did have to go to the hospital and get treated for dehydration. They did a full assessment while I was there. They, they, I called first, so they had a uh, isolation room ready for me. Um, they did a kg. They did a they did chest x-rays, blood work. So they did a full assessment. Once I was treated for the dehydration, and they knew that my vitals were stable. Um, they they said that I could go home to finish my recovery, but on the advice of a nurse, I had had a um, uh, oxygen saturation monitor at home. So I was able to, Kind of keep an eye on my heart rate as well as my blood oxygen levels. So once they knew that and they had that in the file, then the nurses from the health unit that called every day would ask me kind of what my uh, what my oxygen saturation levels were at, and they would say things like, you know, if it's it below this number, I want you to go back to the hospital. So that that made it a little bit easier because at least I knew
0: when I was at the danger point. Now, how long did you uh, live like that, under those conditions?
1: Um, I came back home. I was still quite sick, still in bed. By then, uh, we, it was around that time, um, or maybe a couple days before that, actually, that we got the results and uh, found out that my husband and my daughter were both, in fact, positive. Uh, so then we were all isolating, uh, so that was, that was difficult, and then, and then gradually we started to find out kind of one by one other family members that, that tested positive. So it was, we didn't have a lot of family we could call on to kind of drop things off, to rely on, on friends to, uh, to drop groceries and supplies off on the porch Um, but the other thing was while I was waiting at the hospital again alone in an isolation room anybody that comes in to see you is um, completely outfitted and PPE and uh, they don't come in very often they talk to you through a window a lot of the time but while I was there getting my IV fluids my husband text messaged me and told me that his father had just tested positive so that's when i got really scared because i started thinking about then his mother and his sister and all all of them have had health issues so then then i'm not only afraid for myself and my husband and daughter but i'm starting to think oh my gosh you know, what if the the people in the higher risk categories in my life get sick, and it's all my fault. So it's pretty tough, pretty tough emotionally.
0: Does any of this trace back to a particular incident? Did you ever understand how it spread?
1: Well, um, in the end, eight people that were kind of connected to my circle ended up testing positive. The the other really difficult thing that happened is, is people in the community were reacting. And again, people are scared. And again, I completely understand that. So, you know, when, when the media would post the daily uh, COVID counts for Northumberland County, you know, there'd be a news article and people can comment on that on the social media post, which is completely public. Um, we all, a lot of us are tied to business here at Cobra, so there was always some concern about um, what that would do um, to the reputation of the business and, and how would we be affected that way. Uh, and what ended up happening was people ended up commenting on social media posts and otherwise that just a bunch of inaccurate information. Um, People pick up on gossip and and rumor, and before I knew it, there was all these comments on social media that said uh, we gathered, that we hosted a party, that it was a family business, and we hosted all of these people and broke the rules. And none of that was true. No one gathered. It was a matter of... um, they, They think the first person that was infected was probably not me. I happened to have symptoms and I got really sick. And so I'm the one that got tested. But what they think probably happened is somebody in my household had it first, they were both asymptomatic, so they didn't realize it. And then, um, and then that, you know, that person spent time with another person. And then that person spent time with another person and so on and so on. So there was never any big group gatherings or parties or, you know, and just, so I really wanted to send the message that, you know, when you're posting on public places like that and you're saying things that you can't verify are true, I want to help people understand the impact that could have on other people, you know? And try to help people understand the, the amount of stress you're going through already trying to deal with. You know, you've never been this sick in your whole life. You're scared for yourself. You're scared for your family. Um, you're bombarded with phone calls and questions from people that are maybe worried about being isolated. That are asking you not to let the health unit know that you spent time with them. Um, so, so... to deal with all of that and also know that it could have an impact on um, your reputation, not only personally, but professionally, and and really have an impact on, on your financial situation as well, your livelihood.
0: There has been a lot of debate on social media and uh, and publicly about the health unit and how it's been revealing uh, statistics and the details in which it's giving. What you're saying today gives a very different perspective. If you were talking to those people who are anxious about, you know, we need to know names, we need to know where people are, we need to know businesses um, that might have had an outbreak or have somebody in them that's infected, what would you say to those people if you could talk to them right now
1: well i'd help them understand that there's a lot more to making the decision about whether or not something like that should be uh, public knowledge and it all has to do with what's the level of risk to the public if it's a, a business that's not open to the public whose doors are locked which was our case there was no risk to public health. Um, the number of cases within the business has a lot to do with it. And in our case, it wasn't the, the, the out, there was no outbreak at the business. It happened in the community. They did determine that. And so I would say let, let the health unit do their job. They, they know what they're doing. There's very strict guidance on these things that come straight from the Ministry of Health. And wherever there's a risk to public health, they do release that information. And anybody, they do contact tracing, and they do it well, and they contact every single person that, uh, that you spent time with in that period of time within a mask for more than 15 minutes. And um, in one case, you know, because I was very sick, there was a couple of people that maybe we're on the line, you know, but when, you know, I don't think I was with them for that long. And um, I don't believe there's a risk to that person. But they con- they they contacted them anyway. And I think that's a good thing. So I would say to those people, let the health unit do their job. If there's a risk to your health, you'll be notified. And when you walk out the door, you know, we're all taking the same risk we don't know where it is, it could be anywhere. So to blame people and to try to, um, you know, to, to try to determine, you know, who, who may or may not have. Uh, that, you know, <laughs>
0: if you could talk to those people who maybe are not being as cautious, who aren't being as vigilant, What would you say to those people?
1: I would say don't let your guard down. This has changed my life. So I was active before. Um, I'm not over COVID. I've been experiencing symptoms since November 17th. So although I was released from public health on, I believe, December 6th, uh, I have been experiencing symptoms off and on ever since, and in fact, I'm still testing positive. So, it's been almost four months for me. I still have heaviness in my chest, I still am short of breath. I have an abnormal, abnormally high resting heart rate, I can't exert myself at all. Um, I lost about 15 pounds uh, when I was very sick. However, um, now I've gained that back plus another 10 pounds. Um, just because I'm leading such a sedentary life now. Also, um, have been on medication that's had really significant side effects. So I went on high-dose antibiotics in the case of the secondary pneumonia. I've been treated with... Um, dexamethasone, which is a really um, potent steroid, and um, so the side effects of those medications have been difficult to live with as well. Um, Yes, I'm I'm losing my hair now. Um, I'm still seeing a doctor, but really uh, I'm considered a long hauler, I guess. Uh, You know, I have... I have an abscessed tooth and I uh, can't go to the dentist to get it fixed because uh, they don't want to see me until I can have a negative test. So there, it's just impacted my life in ways that I couldn't have imagined and I used to be one of those people who said it's just like the flu and if I get it I'll be fine. I don't get sick. Right. Even when I got the flu before, it would last two, maybe three days with me. And here I am, in the end, eight people ended up testing positive. Only two of us were sick. The rest were asymptomatic and therefore walking around not realizing that they had COVID-19. So that's, that's the risk that we take when we go out the door, when we decide not to wear a mask.
0: Now the people that were asymptomatic, what type of life are they able to lead?
1: Some of them are still experiencing um, chronic fatigue. Some of them are having brain fog. And I experienced that a lot right after my initial kind of recovery. But uh, it's 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 very real. You'd be mid-sentence and forgot what you're going to say. So I've since returned to work. I'm working virtually for the most part. But there's been numerous times I've been in meetings and uh, halfway through a sentence and just lost my train of thought completely. never happened before periodically, but not like it's happening now. So so they're still, some of them are still experiencing some effects as well. I have received the vaccine, um, so I had my first dose last week, and um, I'm almost afraid to say it, but I'm I'm hoping that will help me turn a corner, and, and I'll be able to put most of this behind me.
0: Can we talk a little bit more about the impact on your family? You mentioned you have a, a daughter who is asymptomatic. How, what has that, your daughter gone through?
1: Well, um, she was scared. She's, uh, she's 20. So when she found out she was positive, obviously she was very scared. It was in November. We, we didn't even know anyone who had, had COVID at the time. She knew she had spent time at a boyfriend's and with his family, and she immediately started to think about the impact of all of the people she had maybe been around and and again, we were trying to be careful, we were keeping our circles pretty tight but uh, yeah her her boyfriend 's family had to isolate and get tested until they had the results so she was quite upset. She's a university student. She was worried that she was going to get sick. She was uh, going into exams. So it was a very stressful time for her, too. And, and, and at the same time, she was um, seeing me as sick as I was and quite scared for that, too.
0: How about your husband? How has he done?
1: He's done well. He uh, lost his sense of taste and smell. Um, temporarily, and uh, for the most part, he has no symptoms anymore, which we're so thankful for.
0: How do you feel when you hear about people who call the pandemic a hoax, or they call to end the lockdown, or they're anti-mask or anti-vax? What? How do you react to seeing people ignoring guidelines and regulations and things like that?
1: me mad. I'm very frustrated with it. Um, I know what I went through. I know what my family went through. But I also know and I recognize I'm one of the lucky ones. So there's a lot of people who ended up worse than I did. There's a lot of people who lost their lives or who lost loved ones as a result. So to hear people make fun of it and call it a hoax, really it's really
0: upsetting. And just so we're clear, before you got the, the virus, were you following all the recommendations? Were you uh, wearing masks and washing your hands and physically distancing? I mean, were you were you somebody that was conscientious?
1: Yes, absolutely. I have the type of job where is it was my responsibility to put in place all of our... COVID-19 protocols and so yes I was leading by example I was being very cautious in fact the week before I contracted the virus I had spent time in my workplace I had spent time um, with vulnerable people but I was following the rules I was following all of our PPE guidelines therefore uh, no one at my workplace was infected as a result.
0: Is there anything you'd like to add before we end?
1: Um, just if, if anybody is um, on the fence about the vaccine, I, I really highly recommend having a conversation with your doctor and finding out what the risks are to receiving the vaccine and not receiving the vaccine. You know, the other thing I see online, on social media often is, you know, people will post that, that some are having reactions to the vaccine, you know, a rash on your arm or a sore arm, or even getting sick from it. In fact, I did, because when I, because I've had COVID, when I received the vaccine, they said it would be like getting the second dose. And often, apparently the reactions happen after that second dose. So uh, the day I got the vaccine, I felt fine. By the time I went to bed, I couldn't hardly move my arm and I woke up at two in the morning with a fever, somewhere between 103 and 104. I was quite sick for a couple of days, but then it went away. Uh, it was very intense, but it was temporary and it was short term and I knew, I knew what to expect and I knew it was gonna go away, which it did. And I would do that again uh, if it meant um, getting another dose of the vaccine.
0: I want to thank you so much for talking to me today.
1: Thank you. I appreciate
0: it. That was my interview with a patient living through COVID-19. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me. And I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today.